0: Hello, fellow sports photographers. My name is Dean Mukhtaropoulos, or all sports snapper on social media, and I'm a sports photographer working full time for Getty Images. Welcome to the Sports Photography Philosophy Podcast, or, well, Sports Photography Podcast, as we call it these days. This is part two of my working in the Beijing Winter Olympics. Today, uh, I'm going to tell you a little bit about the my experiences so far in Beijing, as you would have heard in the first in part one, if you haven't listened to part one, please go back and listen to 20 minutes about how I got here. Um, and this is part two regarding the pre-games games. So when I say that, I mean the you know day minus five, six, seven, and then leading up to actually day one of the games themselves. So it's all the training sessions and press conferences And all the kind of things that happen before and the reason that uh, Getty, uh, me, my colleagues arrive a week or so, um, roughly around a week. Well, again, from the photography side, but there have been colleagues that have been here for uh, 20 days uh, a month, depending on their roles in the company. So uh, IT guys um, setting up, all the infrastructure that we're gonna be using, you know, all the, the the cables and the positions and all that, that that sort of stuff has been going on for, you know, years of planning. Um, but to get here and make sure everything's gonna be, uh, that works, you know, testing all the cables at every um, venue, um, that also means that, you know, all the different photographers' positions, making sure that there's, the cables are working so when we're shooting we can actually send live directly to the editors. Um, that way the clients are getting their images as fast as possible. And also um, Tasso and Richie, our remote uh, photographers. And when I say remote photographers, I mean they're the guys uh, that have been here for much longer than us. And uh, there is a lot more planning. And I, I've done a podcast with uh, Richard Heathcote before, and um, you can go back and listen. Um, and Richard is a Richie's a specialist in many sports, but uh, he's also a bit of a technical whiz, technical genius, and he has set up remotes in the roof of a lot of the venues, including the venue that I'm working at, at the Speed Skating, at the National Speed Skating Center, uh, National Speed Skating Stadium, um, which is sort of an overhead looking at the finish line. Um, but, you know, things like, um, let's say, curling. There's a remote above where the the target, where the the, the stones stop at the figure skating. There's a remote above the Beijing uh, 2022 uh, logo and text. So when you think about a figure skater or partners, you know, doing their routine, Richie has a remote camera. Actually, it's a robotic camera, not just a remote camera. It's a robotic camera where you can move it around and focus on the ground. You want it to focus on the athlete, so you know, obviously, you maybe have a, a smaller uh, depth of field. So you know, so he's set up all this kind of stuff. So these guys have been here for quite a while. I've already gone off topic already. So yeah, these guys have been here for a while. I've been here for about a week, just over now, and uh, the reason is again press conferences and all that kind of thing. But the other reason is uh, the time difference. So you know, our colleagues from Australia um, have been that have arrived here have uh, a less of a time difference. It's a three hours, I think, between Melbourne and Sydney to Beijing. Um, But colleagues from the States or, you know, myself from Europe, um, uh, the guys from England, you know, people that have come from everywhere, you know, you do need three or four days to sort of get into the sleeping patterns. You know, you don't want to arrive and then two days later start shooting. Um, You want to really sort of ease into that, you know. And again, at Getty, I'm very lucky. I have that luxury of, uh, you know, getting that week, you know, again, If you're a freelancer, um, you know, the accommodation might obviously play a major uh, factor in your expenses. So, um, so yeah, that's one of the reasons that we get here so early. But, again, there's obviously a lot of commercial commitments and, like I said, training sessions and also, you know, learning your venues, meeting the venue managers, um, finding out, you know, what kind of access. And, again, that is even more uh, applicable now. Because of all the restrictions, which again you would have heard in the first podcast regarding um, COVID regulations. So you know, before again going back to my the last Winter Olympics, I was covering a lot of speed skating there as well, and you could move around the stadium fairly freely. You know, obviously there are photo spots, but if you want to get to one end of the stadium to the other end of the stadium, you know, you just get onto the walkway and walk around. You can't do that here because here there are, again, within the, the loop that I mentioned in the first podcast they've got about leaving the area of the, you know, the hotel and the stadiums, there are closed loops within the stadium. So where fans go, there are uh, only local, there's no international fans allowed. There are local fans allowed into the stadium. They are obviously all vaccinated and you know they're sitting further apart, they're all socially distanced, they're all that kind of stuff. But we as photographers, as journalists, um, as the writers, um, even the volunteers, all the the people that are working, the security guards, they are not allowed within that zone with the spectators. So there's big, Glass partitions, glass walls, you know, and then not just a piece of plastic. It's one piece of plastic and then another meter between it, and like of empty space, and then another wall of plastic between where we, um, as the photographers, are sitting, uh, sitting in, in some of our allocated seats for um, shooting from. And then spectators, they have their section. You know, that's, that's the reason that we are here so early, and that's the reason that um, you do need that time to sort of get uh, into the rhythm of the area and obviously you know you learn how the transport and um, you know the food and you sort of have to get into sort of a rhythm of it all so uh, second thing it's a sports photography podcast and I've hardly talked about sports photography so let's go on to the kit um, this is a moment uh, in history in photography um, I remember, it was at the beginning of my career, but I remember you know, I did shoot for a small paper and I did shoot um, on uh, film. So that was at the beginning of my career and film was sort of still there, but it was slowly dying out and then obviously we've all moved to digital. Now there seems to be another transition, um, well not seems to be, there is another transition, and that is uh, mirrorless cameras. Um, there are a few of my colleagues uh, from the Netherlands and from Germany, and you know, there's three again. If I said this to you a few years ago, maybe four or five years ago, there were two major brands Nikon, Canon. Now, there are three major brands, uh, Sony are in the, in the game as well, and that is very evident because when you do these major events, um, you know, whether it be a World Cup, Euros, there were always, always, always two service centers. There was a Nikon service center and a Canon service center. And they're the guys that would, um, you know, you would take your equipment there, you get cleaned, you could always borrow equipment. You know, if they've got a new lens out, they would actually, you know, encourage people to borrow those lenses so they could use them. And then, you know, hopefully after you've used it a few times, you know, you couldn't live without it. So then when you got back to your country of origin, you would order one, buy one. It was a great promotion, not only for for canon but it was also a way to get pictures that maybe you wouldn't have got before so but now there is sony sony for the last few years have been doing mirrorless cameras now nikon have got a nice well nice i haven't heard too much many good words about it but uh that's not for me to say i don't do not shoot on nikon but you know let's just say reviews have been mixed on the digital for nikon and there is the R3. It was an R5 and an R3. And now R3s are available. I think there were some available at the winter at the Summer Olympics last year in Tokyo. Um, I did get to play with one a little bit. But um, you know, I think learning to shoot on a new camera with a new system, with new focusing, with new menus is probably not the best place to learn. It's not somewhere you want to experiment with too much. In Tokyo, I didn't do it. I used it for a little bit, and I said, "Okay, I'm just going to stick to my Mark III's, which is a mirror camera. Um, you know, let's say old-fashioned these days. Um, Twelve frames a second, slow motion compared to these new ones." I have an R3, and I got it a few days before coming out to to uh, Beijing. Um, I used it for three, four days in a row, and I can see that it is the future of photography. It's the way the industry is going. It's the way all photographers will be shooting. That's no shock to the system. That's exactly what's happening. I needed the familiarity of the buttons, of the menus. Um, You know, I shoot it, like I said, I shoot a lot of speed skating. I know what the camera does. I can pick up the camera without thinking and... Lock onto those, you know, the focus. The button mover uh, move my um, my focal point around, you know. All right, they're they're in a, you know, they're in the middle, in, in the middle infield. Sorry, they're in the infield, so I can, you know, I can adjust my um, ISO quickly, all that kind of stuff. It's second nature to me, you know. And again, these cameras, you know, they've always been incremental changes for the last, you know, from the, if you see the first body and the Mark III body, body wise. They're very similar looking to the untrained eye. Obviously, the screens are bigger. There's more buttons and all that kind of stuff. But there've been incremental changes. But the R3, you know, flip-out screen. You know, you need an engineering degree to understand the menu straight away. You know, I'm not that smart. Um, I did, like I said, I used it. I can see, and I, and I did get a lot of photos that I probably wouldn't have got before. There was photos I was taking. With the flip mirror and you know the touch screen and everything, it's fantastic, it's a great camera. I love it, and when I get back to the Netherlands um, and I have a chance to maybe not have an, such an important job like the Olympics, shooting gold medalists, blah, 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 then I will be using it more often. But personally, I said, okay, I'm gonna use two Mark III's and I use the R3 as a, as a, as a third body for now more the familiarity of shooting on the mark three that i needed um, and felt comfortable with you know you've got a lot of pressure um i'm a, the lead photographer at the speed skating you know I'm, I'm helping other photographers that have never shot speed skating they don't know anything about the athletes the the photo positions so one thing i didn't want to have on my um on with uh, with my responsibility was not being confident in the machine that I'm using, in the camera that I'm using. So I went, reverted back <laughs> two weeks and said, okay, I'm only going to use the Mark III. Um, and again, it's more just getting used to that system to that. than I will be. And I'm sure by the next major event, whether it be the World Cup, if I'm lucky enough to be on that team or whatever event's coming up, I will probably be going to the R3 but I need to use it in smaller events and um, maybe events with less pressure that will give me that freedom to try and fail and learn. The Olympics is not the place to do that. So yeah, that's my, the bodies, Uh, lenses wise, um, I am, again, lucky. Uh, I have a great friend who works at Canon in the Netherlands, he has lent me an 85mm one4 and a 200 f2. Now, I use these lenses. He lent me these lenses at the last Olympics in Tokyo, and they are magic. The, the bokeh, the depth of field, whatever you want to call it, it it's, it's gold. I love it. I love it so much. Um, I have a 400mm. I've borrowed a 600mm f4. I have a 400mm uh, 28 um, of course in my camera bag like every sports photographer you have a 70 to 200 you have a 24 mil i have an 11 to 24 mil they're all you know all these lenses are great um, but you know once you use a prime once you've got prime lenses and you shoot on those prime lenses and you know how they work and you've got that you know that really shallow depth you know the eye is sharp and the ear is out of focus it It makes it just makes it gives it a bit more of a cinematic feel, and it really isolates your subject. It really makes that the athlete stand out from the background, especially if the backgrounds are not that great. It's a no-brainer. It's for me, the 200 and the 85 mil are on the on two of the bodies always, and of course, I'm today I was shooting. The five thousand meters men's race, and I used the six hundred mil. Again, another lens, super fast. And again, these new lenses. um, I don't know the official, you know, weight, but you know, from the first four hundred mil I used to this six hundred mil that I'm using now. Again, which would have been a heavier lens. I mean, it feels like a toy. It's so light, but it is so sharp. It is so fast. So you know again i'm very lucky i get to use the best lenses on the best cameras and shoot the best athletes you know i'm very 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 fortunate to have that uh, opportunity to use these lenses at this event you know and again it's nothing to do with the light either you know the light here is super bright the the stadium that i'm working in the speed skating the lights are probably two full stops two stops higher brighter than, um, you know, what I'm used to shooting in speed skating in the Netherlands, you know, at uh, the TF, which is, you know, the home of speed skating, you know, like Wembley is the home of football. TF is the home of speed skating, you know, it's where the biggest events are in Europe. It's where, you know, but again, compared to this stadium here, you know, this stadium is state of the art, you know, lights and, you know, it's great. So yeah, equipment wise, obviously you've got your monopod, you've got your lenses and um, I'm on the infield. Um, I get to see the athletes sort of, you know, getting ready, you know, doing their stretches, and then they go into the ice and, you know, they're going past you. And, you know, I'm lucky again, they recognize me because I've done so much speed skating. So, you know, using those lenses, getting the athletes looking, you know, getting ready, getting prepared on the ice, warming up, then obviously taking photos of them com- competing, celebrating, and, you know, that the, especially the, the F2 and the 1.4, you know, if you fill the frame, and, you know, the big, big and bold in the frame and you shoot it on that and you've locked it on their face, you've locked it on the eyeball and, it, you know, you hammer away and bang, you know, you get that photo. And, you know, like I said, if you were on the R3, it probably would be better. You know, you, well, it probably, it would be better. There's no question, you know, to pick from, you know, 30 frames or 20 frames instead of, you know, it says 12, but I always say it's about eight or nine a second, um, you know, and. I can tell just by using the R3 just for that little bit uh, in the first few days of the training, you know, the tracking is better on the R3. There is no question in my mind that it is a better camera um, for sport. It is a better camera for tracking, um, you know, for frame rate. It does everything better. But like I said, the familiarity, I'm going to stick to the Mark III. I'm going to get what I need. I know I'm going to get it. So I'm sticking to that. So that's a quick rundown of my equipment. Next, uh, what I was talking about was masks. Uh, You know, there are colleagues, not from Getty. There are, you know, people complaining about the masks and this and the restrictions and all that kind of stuff. I think, for me, whatever the conditions are here, if you want to shoot the best athletes, put up with it, deal with it. It's fine. Um, You know, I've seen there are, you know, social media posts and, you know, other, you know, news agencies, TV stations, newspapers from all over the world. They're all reporting about, you know, the behind the scenes and testing and all that stuff. You know, I think I understand it in a way. I understand why they've had to do it. I understand why they're doing it. Um, you know, not only is it to protect the athletes, it's to protect us, but it's also very much to protect their citizens, you know, the Chinese citizens. You know, they don't want people flying in from all over the world. I get it. I Honestly, for me, I get it. It's, it's it's you know, the fact that they can run a Olympics, a major event, with tens, you know, thousands, thousands, 10,000, 20,000 people all being contained in these mini bubbles in hotels situated everywhere they can run buses the buses have got plastic sheets up between the drivers everyone's wearing masks and i said as i said before not just normal not just uh cloth masks or you know something that's got your logo on it that you know that's just something that goes over your ears no the everybody's wearing a medical mask all the time i'll put up with it if i can get to work shooting the best athletes Winning gold medals and celebrating—you know—even the medal ceremonies, you know, it was the same in Tokyo. Um, when we're taking our photos for, you know, it's, it's not a medal ceremony because they're doing it at a medal plaza, but after the athletes have won, you know, again, I think this is day two now. I'm giving this recording from. They flower. They call it a flower presentation, just to give them something after they've competed and after they've won. You know, first, second, third. More like a, like the olive branch style thing around the little panda or underneath the panda, so they get presented this. Um, you know, there's no national anthems. They again, they do that the following day at the medal plaza, which is at another location near the main. Um, they call it the Bird's Nest uh, Stadium. So the athletes will go there and get their medals and get their and listen to the their national anthems and all that kind of stuff. So unfortunately for me, unfortunately, the heat of the moment when you everybody's you know. Celebrating and you're really fired up. You know you want them to have that medal. You know what I mean. You get the emotion, you get the, the joy of of winning. You know, you know first, second, and third have all been delighted on 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 the podiums with them with their with their placings. But unfortunately, they're not getting the medals in front of us. Um, you know, some of my Dutch colleagues who were shooting um, Patrick Roost, who got second place. You know they're going to have to go now to the medal plaza tomorrow to take photos of uh, Patrick receiving his silver medal. So yeah, that's one thing that, uh, but yeah, anyway, when they're up on the podium, they stand up there, they are presented, they take off their masks for maybe 30 seconds, I don't know, not long, um, and there is a, a volunteer behind us with a piece of card that says, masks off. You know, they take them off, they pose for a second, Far away from each other, you know. Like again, yeah, the podium is a bit, little bit larger than normal. I would say, um, spaced out. I mean, um, and then the volunteer will hold the you know masks on sign, and then they will put their masks on, and then they stand next to each other, and they put each arms over each other, and then we take again, we take more photos. But you know, again, it is what it is. And I wish, I hoped, that they would be able to, you know, even if it is. Uh, the, the the mascot panda that you would have all three of them with their masks off, but it's not that way. So they've all got medical grade masks on their face. Take photos. Uh, I've been lucky that uh, uh, you know, I work for one of the bigger agencies, uh, Reuters, AFP, uh, AP. We've all had this uh, conversation with the photo manager, and we decided, not we decided, with we worked around the um, the Olympic Broadcasting Service, you know, they set up their TV cameras for the, for the flower presentation and then we are sort of situated near them. So in front of the TV, on the ground, and then after they receive this uh, panda, then they move for the photographers that do not have inside access. They move around the side and they are presented to the uh, photographers that are on the outfield. Um, so yeah, that's um, the masks thing. It's, like I said, it is what it is, and, you know, you learn to live with it is from the moment, from the second you leave the hotel room to the second you get back, you wear your mask. If you're outside, you wear a mask. You know, when we're on our uh, buses, which are in the loop, you know, even though we do drive on, uh, you know, normal roads with normal cars, you know, it's not all closed off all the roads, you know, those buses are sealed. Um, But, you know, we look out the window and you're looking at the sights of Beijing and everyone everyone that i've seen i haven't seen one person actually I, that's a lie i did see one person going for a jog without a mask on but i can guarantee you that person had that mask in their pocket because everybody else whether they're in cars whether they're on their motorbikes whether they're on scooters whether they're riding a bike everyone is wearing a mask and everyone has uh the most common ones i've seen the most one, common ones i've taken notice of seem to be the blue mask you know the blue surgical mask that your doctor would wear that if you, if you was doing if you were getting surgery done Let's see what else we got. Food is uh fine, good enough, bearable, pass, whatever you want to call it. Hotel is fine. Um the media center has a big variety. They sort of mix it up every couple of days. You know, day on, day off sort of thing. Um and again, quality of food it's it's fine. No complaints. It's not restaurant quality. It's not you can't walk out, you know. Outside my hotel, there's a food market. There, there is a tea. It looks like a tea specialist shop. I would love to cross the road, go in there, get something else. We can't do that. But again, it is what it is. We the, you sort of you you deal with it. The buses, the service is great. The times, I'm still trying to figure out. You know, I've been like I said, I've been here for over a week, just around a week. Um, you know the times sort of change. You know when the opening ceremony was on, the times changed because of fans that were going to attend the opening ceremony, and so it sort of it seems to be moving uh, on a daily basis. Um, but they're regular. You know you get out, of, you walk out of your hotel, you get on a bus, takes you to the media center. There's a transport hub there. That hub will take you to wherever you're going to go. So you can go to other hotels. And I have had colleagues that would go to another hotel to have dinner. Um, I haven't had the chance to do that. I haven't had the time to do that yet. But, you know, there are colleagues that, you know, okay, well, let's try this hotel. They'll get on a bus. It'll take them to a hotel. They'll get out. They'll eat at that hotel. They'll get back on the bus. They'll go back to the main press center and then back. So there is some flexibility again. And again, I think that's more of a, a. I don't know how common that is. I don't know if you're supposed to do it, but whatever. People have done it, and I don't know if it'll be possible to do that because now that the games have kicked off, you don't have time just to go to random hotels and get food. But yeah, the food in the hotel here that I'm staying in is fine, is good. There's breakfast and dinner served. Um, you know, lunch is usually at the main press center or at the venues. The venue food is average. I would say below average. Um, they don't really um, cater, I think, and I've been to two venues so far. Um, the food was a bit different. Um, you know, one place had chocolate bars. We don't have chocolate bars at ours, you know, and I'm a bit of a chocoholic, so I would have liked the free chocolate bar here and there, but that's not going to happen. The training sessions, um, so far, like I said, I've covered training mainly because I've covered so much speed skating over the years. The athletes recognise me, you know, I get thumbs up, I get, you know, hellos, I get waves, you know, when they train, you know, they give you a smile because they know you, so you know, I'm not gonna send a photo of them looking bad. So, you know, I want them to be comfortable around me and I need to them to know that, you know, I would never uh send a photo of them that is not nice. You know, my job is to make them look good, um and they're nice people. <laughs> You know, the athletes are very nice. So it's great shooting a sport where the, um, the the people that you spend so much time staring at, you know, cropping, photoshopping, whatever, sending their pictures, you know, they say hello to you. It's nice. What can I say? Um, so yeah, I'm enjoying working at the speed skating. Um, I think the athletes are incredible athletes. They're, you know, the fitness level and the strength level and the commitment that these, you know, again, this goes for most sports, well all sports, but um the commitment that to be at the Olympics in any any field, any sport. I always say like a you know, explaining this to the kids once, you know, when you see a Usain Bolt or any of these athletes, you know, they run for ten seconds. The amount of work and dedication and commitment that you need and, you know, a team of people have helped them get to that place. And that's no different than the athletes that I see here in the you know, and they don't get the glory of the of a, of a football and and or, you know golf or you know, these sports that have you know massive contracts and they show up at airports and there's you know thousands of people waiting for them at basketball or whatever. You know, these guys are training you know just as hard and put as much commitment in as any athlete in the world in any field and still very nice people still you know still wave to you, still say hello. So it is, it's great. I I love shooting the sport and I love the athletes that I work um, taking photographs of. So that's the, um, you know, and then add uh, the occasional press conference um, at the main press center, shots of the stadium, uh, shots of the venues that you're gonna be working at, you know, outside, inside, before the events, all that kind of stuff, you know, wide shots of the venues, you know. uh, Again, some of these venues are brand new um, the world has not really seen them before. So, you know, you want photos of the stadium. You get there a, little, a few hours early before, you know, everything kicks off and before all their training and everything. So, you get photos of the venue empty. And, you know, it's just not as much as it is for, you know, the newspapers or magazines or, you know, websites the following day. It's also, uh, you know, in a way, a historical record. You know, in 50 years' time, in 20 years' time, 10 years' time, you know, you'll be able to look back and say what that stadium looked like back then. Uh, Let's see, what else we got? Uh, Opening ceremony. Uh, Yeah, I shot the opening ceremony from the outside. Uh, We had, I think it was 20, 25, even, I think it was probably closer to 30 now thinking about it. Photographers and IT and staff involved in covering the Olympic opening ceremony in the National Stadium in Beijing. Um, I was one of two, or no, there was three, three or four of us on the outside of the stadium. Um, our uh, bosses here had organised um, to use a bridge that was with a lake in front, which was actually frozen. Um, and I got to do, you know, we actually. <laughs> the funny part was that this was all organised. TV were going to set up something there, and then other agencies were asking for it, requesting it. Some freelancers, some other people were requesting this, and then I think in total I counted on our bus to get to this spot. Sixteen photographers were on this bridge, you know, and they just, you know, it's a big bridge. There's plenty of room for everybody, so it wasn't a problem. Um, and we met at a spot right outside the media center, the main press center, um, and that bus. And I'm not exaggerating to you, the bus literally took you less than 100 meters. Because it was a place where you had to cross out of the loop, out of the um, you know the the corona free zone, I guess is a way to put it. The you know this loop that I've that I've mentioned a few times. Because we crossed that, we couldn't just walk there, so we got onto a bus. The bus took us across the uh, this road, and then onto the bridge, and then we got off the bus. I had three cameras, uh, pocket wizards. Um, tripods, clamps, uh, set up the three cameras with different lenses doing different framings and different exposures and then uh, the fireworks, you know, we were given the times when they'd roughly be going off and they roughly went around the time that they suggested or the TV was expecting it to happen. But uh, picture-wise, it didn't really work out for me or anyone on the bridge because the position of the bridge and the fireworks were more side on. So if you were watching it on TV or if you look at photos and you see some rings in the sky, you know that they put fireworks up and they exploded like in the Olympic rings shape and color, which was, it looked pretty good um, from what I saw on the photos, but from where I was, it was directly side on. So picture wise, it didn't work. You know, there was a nice reflection from when some fireworks off, reflection off the ice and the the stadium and the fireworks going off above it. But in terms of, you know, I didn't know that there were rings fireworks until I got inside and someone said, oh, did you see the rings? And I was like, oh, was there? I didn't see them. Because from where I looked at, it was just a blur of color. It was just like a big explosion of light. But when you looked at it on TV, it's like... Um, Uh, They were facing sort of like the VIP section of the stadium and we were directly side on. So, you know, we could see uh, explosions, fireworks going off above the stadium, but it was also it didn't work for, it didn't work. It worked nice as a firework show and it worked nice, you know, with some reflections off the ice and the stadium in the background and all that kind of stuff. But in terms of like, you know, freezing some sort of, you know, iconic rings above the stadium. Unfortunately, that didn't work out for me. But anyway, you know, you've got to be in it to win it. You've got to be there, and you know, I have no complaints at all because you know, I got to see a fireworks show on top of a on top of a stadium in front of a frozen lake in Beijing. So you know, it uh, it was fine. It worked out okay. So that was um yeah that was obviously a, the day prior to the first day of shooting, and then uh, day one I shot. Uh, What was it? Curling in the morning. Um, For all you non-northern hemisphere people, curling is um, giant stones. I think it's a Scottish game originally. Stones, you slide like a big target, bullseye. You have to get it as close as you can and you throw it. You know, it's like lawn bowls. Again, that's probably more of a Commonwealth game, sort of a game, Commonwealth game, Um, you know, Bocce, whatever you want to call it, ice. It's an interesting game. I think it'd be more fun. Well, I know it's more fun to play than to photograph, but um, it's fine. It's a good game. Um, the athletes are, you know, they're very committed, and it does come across in the photos too. Um, it's not as dynamic. It's definitely not as dynamic as other sports, but it's an Olympic sport, and you cover it. You know, and I took a six hundred mil. Um, Because you're quite far back. And I wasn't too sure. Um, Again, going back to the restrictions thing I talked about earlier. um, I think I'm taking lenses. Normally I would have taken a 400. Because you know you can get a bit closer. But again, with the um, access. And um, you sort of, I think I'm taking a bit longer lenses to events. I will be taking longer lenses going forward as well. To events that probably I wouldn't have before. But again, we'll get to that. Later in part three. This is only part two. Speed skating the afternoon. It was my first uh, official speed skating event. Good winner. You know, a Dutch girl won. Uh, She was the favorite. She'd had a great season leading up to it. So I was lucky enough to sort of see her win um, in the previous, you know, in in, uh, events around Europe. Um, So I sort of was... Fortunate, I guess. Well, I guess it's experience. You know, other my colleagues that had come with me don't shoot speed skating. So I said, you know, this is the person that will most likely win. Um, this is what she will do if she does win. I expect her to do, you know, celebrate here and celebrate probably with her coach over there and and pretty much everything I said happened. So it made me look like I knew what I was talking about. So that was good. <laughs> and the same thing happened tonight. Um, on day two, uh, uh, Swedish uh, Nils van der Poel. He was an amazing form, you know, in the World Cup, which is like the tour of um, speed skating for the ISU, um, the International Skating Union. He's been in top form all, all year. Um, and again, I said if he wins, he usually celebrates a bit later. He might celebrate with his coach, he'll put his arms up around here. And again, it looked like I knew what I was talking about because that's what he did as well. He made lots of nice photos. He was a good winner. He was very happy. And again, it made nice pictures, nice pictures. My colleagues who are, you know, again, they get image photographers, so they know what they're doing. Um, got great pictures as well. So, um, you know, I put one at the back straight, um, at the end of the back straight, and the other photographer was on the on the second corner after the finish line um because you know once they once this uh, especially on the longer distances they after you they cross the finish line you look up at the sca- the sorry the scoreboard yeah you look up and that's when they know their time and their position and that's when you get the celebration so you sort of go around the halfway of the of the the corner and usually if the person wins uh, especially on the last if they're one of the last pair that's when you get the celebration because, um, unlike other sports, it's more of a time, timed event. So a person who skates second, you know, there's ten skaters in total, and you know, if the person who skated second has the fastest time, they won, wa- they win, but they're not actually on the ice. You know, they they could be in there, you know, they're on the on a machine, uh, bike, warming up or you know or cooling down, I should say. Um, so. You don't necessarily get the celebration sometimes. Sometimes the person who was, you know, the thir- in the in the second last group, is the fastest time, but they don't know that they've won until the last pair go. So anyway, most of you will know this, but I'm just making it as clear as I can. Yeah, so that's so anyway, the two winners ended up doing what I said uh, would happen again, just because I've seen it happen before, um, and we got all the pictures as a Uh, Team, you know, and that's what we are when you do this, you know Normally, I would cover these events by myself and I'm trying to do a little bit Maybe I'm trying to do too much and I'm running here and I'm running there and this time I can work on a picture I can find a background that I like and I know that my colleagues because I trust them wholeheartedly I know that they will get the photos that are needed from their position and then um, so yeah, there you go. There's my after arriving podcast um, I hoped my ramblings made sense. Um, I've been lucky to get some nice feedback from the first one. So thank you very much to everybody that sent me messages and, uh, all that kind of stuff. So, uh, you know, I've had a nice, uh, some nice compliments on that kind of thing. Um, people found it interesting, which again, I'm always surprised by. So yeah, thank you very much for, um, listening to the sports photography podcast and um, yeah, stick around, and hopefully I won't be too tired in about four or five days, and give you a rundown of of my um, experiences. Again, you know, again, things can all change, and you know, uh, oh, you know, before I leave, you know, there are colleagues I have heard, you know, not have heard, no, that people have got off planes and tested positive and been put into isolation, and people have been. Near people that have gone into isolation and they are in they're called close contacts, which means that they are tested twice a day, um, you know, in their hotels, they're not allowed to eat in the public spaces, they're allowed to go get food and take the food back to their hotel uh, to their rooms and eat. So, you know, there is all this stuff that you have heard again if you're paying attention to the Olympics and you're watching it on TV or you're reading, uh, you know, websites or news outlets. They're all saying this stuff. So, you know, you'll hear all this kind of stuff. And I can tell you that most of it, you know, some of it I've heard was, you know, some of the garbage I have heard though. But anyway, so that kind of stuff is happening. Um, So, again, you know, if everything goes well and I haven't been in close contact and whatever, then, you know, in three days' time, you will, four days' time, five days' time, you will hear another podcast and that will give you another. Quick rundown of uh, my uh, an update. Yeah, thanks very much for listening. And uh, yeah, any feedback, uh, any comments, any anything you want to hear, let me know. Social media, all sports, snapper, one word. Dean Metropolis, I don't expect you to spell that. My boss still can't spell. It. Dean Getty. Social media, Twitter, Instagram, blah blah blah. Thank you very much for listening and bye for now.